Three, two, one. Monkey bars. My name's Jesse. Okay, thick. And, and, butter. Okay. <laughs> and this is another movie review. Uh, spoiler review. Warning. Spoiler. Big warning. Flashing lights. Spoiler. So if you listen to this and we spoil the movie and you get mad at us, fuck you. We warned you. We warned like you. three times. We warned you. <laughs> and it's in the title, goddammit. Um... <laughs> Uh, and this is going to be a review for Guillermo del Toro's latest feature film, Nightmare Alley, which came out uh, at the end of 2021. So it came out uh, in, like, summer. Why did it came out in the weekend Spider-Man came out? Which, I think that's right, um, which is why... Not the greatest uh, decision no. um, <laughs> to release that movie on, <laughs> on the same day as Spider-Man. It didn't do so well at the box office, um, but um, I don't know whose idea it was, you know, Fox or Guillermo or whoever the producers had a good idea to sell it to to HBO Max and Hulu, so it's on two streaming services yeah, as of last week. Um, and yeah, we thought that this was a great opportunity to review this movie because... Um, I missed it in theaters. I did as um, well. Which, which sucks. Because I think, I don't know why, I think there's just a lot going on. It was like Christmas time, there's a lot going on. I saw like Spider-Man. I think I, I, think I saw Licorice Pizza, I think, overnight in their alley because it was coming out at the same time. There's, I think there's another film that I went and saw too. That, so, I, yeah, I'm going to get a chance to go see it. There's a lot of things that came out at the end of the year that I'm going to get to go yeah, see. Yeah, it, it was alley. kind of like a, it was got all clogged up right there, and it just got yeah. overpowered by Spider-Man and the New Year and okay. holidays. And then also, like, I wanted to see West High Story, I'm going to get to see that. There are some things that I missed in theaters, which kind of sucks. But, um, but anyway, we're here now, we're going to talk about it now. Um, but I'm just bummed because I would have loved to see this in the theater. Because um, um, it's, it's really pretty. Yes, it's, it's so gorgeous pretty. looking movie. So, um, uh, yeah, so I watched it in the comfort of my own home, no problem. But, um, so what we do before all these spoiler reviews, we talk about our expectations going into the movie, you know, what were our thoughts about the film before we even saw it, you know, what were our expectations. And, uh, what were your expectations before you, you click play on, on Hulu or whatever you watch? Well, I, I hold our, our teddy bear friend Guillermo at really high regards. Um, yeah. I think his movies are absolutely spectacular. And I'm yeah, big fan. I also am very glad that you saw it before me and you warned me mm-hmm. that this was a straight bread and butter film noir. Because yes. I think if yeah. I didn't know that, I would have still enjoyed it. But I still would yeah. have definitely been expecting the monster at some Something point. Different. Um, yeah. But and I think like I think that's also good to know too about this before 
and kind of get get it mm-hmm. The marketing of this song was, I understand it, um, and but it, the trailer does make this movie look like a lot. Yeah, movie. it does. Um, and it. It is, the, it, is, it is it thematically is appropriate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's thematically important, but but the problem is that when you attack someone like Guillermo del Toro, right. who is known for most of his films other than The Devil's Backbone, which I just rewatched, is a fantastic film. Um, even that film, though, is about ghosts, but right. most of his movies um, have some fantastical element yeah. involved. And they're in usually a creature um, feature to some degree. Yes. And uh, this film is none of those things. <laughs> like you said, it is a noir. This is a, um, a noir film. It, it, it's definitely his most grounded movie in terms of like, um, like there's nothing fantastical or, or, or anything like that going on in the, in the film. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's actually... And the, the things that are hinted are, are not, you know? Yeah, and it's it's um, actually really... I'm realizing it right now how big of the departure it is for, for Guillermo. And and I'm, yeah. I'm actually feeling more impressed by the film because mm-hmm. a lot of times what my criticism of Guillermo's films are that they're always way more creative than any other film like in that are that like compete uh-huh. with it or are contemporaries with it but there are moments that are kind of like like in Pacific Rim for example what a fantastic film <laughs> but there's like weakness in, weaknesses weaknesses yeah. in like story and like some directing yeah. moments yeah. and to do a right. film that is just like just that usually directors who kind of take their crutch away they kind of like flounder for a little bit before they figured out but it was like him taking away that crutch he just like jumped into the deep end and did an awesome job just like like Mm -hmm. and he did all these things that he's usually like maybe more have weaknesses in some of his other films just like we're so strong in this movie um Mm -hmm. which is really impressive we both like really really like this movie (laughs) quite a bit and you know i also want to preface too that if you don't know who Guillermo del Toro is which some some people might not know who he is um he is a spanish filmmaker mexican and he's kind of part of this uh like trio of mexican filmmakers that are so my favorite filmmakers of all time honestly uh Guillermo Toro, Alfonso Caron, and uh, Alexander Gonzalez Iraqi. Uh, they were kind of filmmaker buddies uh, from Mexico, and they all are amazing filmmakers today. And that they make uh, very, you know, um, Guillermo is out of those three is definitely the most commercial um, uh, filmmaker out of the uh, out of that bunch. Guillermo, what's cool about Guillermo, I think what you're getting at too is that. All his films are different. Each each one of his films, yeah. he 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 goes for something unique and different. Like Kronos was a uh, a monster movie, a horror movie. Uh, Mimic, I haven't seen, but I know it's like another, another monster kind movie. of monster movie. Devil's Backbone is a is a drama, like a ghost drama. Then he made the Hellboy movies, which are a, a fantastic. Some of those underrated comic book movies, in my opinion. Um, so much fun, so unique to this day, so creative. And Hellboy means a lot to me as a kid because it was one of the first, like, action movies I saw when I was young that had, like, this darkness to it. And had this, like, and I was really attracted to yeah. that. 
um, that first Hellboy movie, I watched on Luke which which was, might not, you know, 12, which might not you know? seem that significant now because all the movies are like that. But Hellboy did that before it was, like it was even think anyone was no something? one was thinking about that yet, and right. help and he just yeah. he made that. <laughs> and it's it's such a creative movie. I can see like some people. It, I haven't watched it in years, but those first two I I watched a lot when I was young, and um, then he made Pan's Labyrinth which is um, highly regarded as one of the greatest films ever made, but also one of the greatest films of the 2000s. Yeah. And was a film that, like, really shot him into, like, um, you know, master category, yeah. you know? Um, he's very much, he's such a high regard of, like, he's definitely one of our, masters i i feel um of someone yeah, who's still pushing the cinematic art form and, and doing and trying to make original movies made and and things like that and, uh, then he made pacific rim which is like you know such a blast and such a fun movie his take on you know big blockbuster monster movies and super fun then he made crimson peak which is like a gothic romance, um, and then he made Shape of Water, which, uh, um, which most people most likely know him for, and that's the one he won the Oscar for, he won, you know, Best Picture, Best Director, I think he also wrote, he won, he's, like, basically swept the Academy Awards that year, whatever that, that year, 2017. Yeah, 2017. Um, I absolutely love that film, that is, like, a very divisive movie, weirdly, and his, it just I I don't want to talk about that, but I, I, I found that film to be incredibly amazing. And um so I was so excited to see this because it's his follow up to that film. And yeah, I absolutely love this. And yeah, what you're saying too is that this is totally a noir. Uh, like he set out to make a modern noir film. And uh, I think he achieved this film was so riveting he like, to he, me from start to he finish. He blew it out of the park. It was yeah. awesome. so and good. What's cool about something like this and why, like, even before I saw this, I would be on a podcast and telling people to go see it. Because the thing about this film is that it's a big budget film made for adults. There's no, yeah. there's no boxer in it. There's no uh, superhero in it. There's no, and it's, um, every penny on the budget you see on the screen. The production design, the, the cinematography, it it looks incredible. It looks amazing. And that's something that you kind of, that's like a given when you go to a Guillermo del Toro film is that Crimson Peak is one of the most beautiful looking movies I've ever seen in my life. Like, the, the, the guy is such a visionary when it comes to, like, production design. And he's kind of like Wes Anderson in that way. Yeah. Like, he really, really loves sets and loves details of sets and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, he's like a... He's really the, puts time He's like a gothic... That. He's like a gothic Wes Anderson. <laughs> totally. He has, like... He does have a... This film, Crimson Peak, Shape of Water, he definitely has a aesthetic feel like vibe to his movies which is very cool and it's something that's it's certainly hard to come by you know in 2022 yeah. you know these giant 
budget movies like this, you know? I think the other thing that I really, um, just talking about the general vibe of Nightmare Alley and Guillermo's Ovoir in general, is that he is so good at getting that creepy, dark stories, but still keeping it very fun and entertaining to watch. Yeah, um, yeah. That's something that, like, you know, watching uh, this film, especially is that, you know, Gerda, like, also has this weird reputation of, I don't even know if, like, it's weird, but sometimes, like, I think people misinterpret, like, what I was saying is, like, he's very, like, accessible. His films are, are like, even, like, something like The Devil's Backbone, which is, like, you know, something that came out, like, 20 years ago, is a very accessible movie. And it's, all his movies are just very, um, classical in the sense of, like, they, they're, they're, he's not trying to, like, he's still trying to make entertaining movies for the masses of people, yeah. you know? He wants the masses to, to that enjoy is kind of a, films, That is kind of know? a novel, that kind of old-school thought process of wanting to entertain the audience is kind of, like, mm-hmm. almost a... Is, is almost an old, retro well, kind of mindset now, in a way. Entertaining the audience, uh, like on this scale, you know, of, like, yeah. making movies that, you know, obviously that's, you know, a lot of filmmakers want to make entertaining movies that entertain the masses, but yeah. not on this scale, yeah. you know, and, and, like, this this type of movie, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So this film is about Bradley, Bradley Cooper, uh, and what I think is, is probably his best performance, um, my favorite Bradley Cooper performance that I've seen so far. And he plays a man named Stanton Carlisle, who is, we, we open on him, um, basically, uh, well, the opening of the movie is, like, fascinating, but the actual first scene of the movie is, like, very jarring and kind of odd. But... Uh, that was a really cool. That was a, that 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 immediately grabbed me by yeah, the way that he oh, opened yeah. the movie. Oh, it's yeah. a very strong opening. And uh, he's basically a drifter. I guess you call him that. He's, he he drifts into this uh, carnival, and um, what I thought was interesting, like Stanton doesn't have a line of dialogue for about like ten to fifteen minutes in the first fifteen minutes I wasn't of the movie, which I thought that. was really interesting. Um, but he plays a drifter where he goes into a carnival and he starts working at this carnival under Willem Dafoe, uh, who is the ringleader of this of this carnival, and he starts doing a bunch of odd jobs at this carnival, and you know meets a mentalist, and he starts learning mentalism and uh, starts using it for um, his own good, his own personal use, and. The movie's kind of questioning, like, the morality and something like mentalism and the morality of of using it, you know? Um, yeah. That's kind of the overall, a very basic overall, like, look, bird's eye view of what this movie is yeah. about. So I want to I talk about, like, the opening mm-hmm. sequence first, because this movie's sort of split into, uh, like, the beginning act section where he's the at the carnival— half. Yeah, yeah, and then the part where he leaves the carnival and right. starts using his mentalism skills. Yeah. I really like how um, mature the storytelling is and how um, it's very structured and not abstract, but instead of being super intense about trying to shove what 
the plot's going to be down your throat. It's very much just unfolding. And yeah. every every new piece of information, it's like it's, it's this perfect amount of knowing enough and not knowing what's going to happen next. Right. And like the next thing you learn, it's like, I don't really see how that fits yet. And then you get to the next thing and then the piece before that fits. And it's just right. a very satisfying progression of how you're seeing these things sort of un, that's, unfold. That's at. cool. Yeah, I totally agree with that. But I think like maybe that that feeling comes from, like, Stanton. Like, Stan, like, as a character, is fascinating. He's very mysterious. Like, you don't really know a lot about him. And as the film kind of, you know, um, unfolds, you learn more and more and more about him. Right. And you kind of learn that this guy is uh, not, the, not a good guy, you know? And, and so uh, I think that is kind of like, one of the strengths of the movie is just Stan. You know, the, the main character of the movie is is very compelling. And he's... And um, that's what, like, comes with, like, perfor- like Bradley Cooper's performance, because in the beginning, like, in the beginning scenes of this movie, you have to, like... Guillermo does, like, such a good job of, like, letting the audience, like, sympathize with, with Stan. And like, empathize with him, because that's so, so important. Because if that doesn't happen, this movie completely falls apart, you know? Yeah. If, if the audience isn't on board with life stand as a character, like, this movie's just not going to work. But the way that Bradley Cooper, like, gives this charisma, like, Leonardo DiCaprio right. was supposed to play this role before Bradley Cooper, and I think that should tell you, like, kind of what... Guillermo was going for with this character, yeah, this very charismatic guy, but could have some kind of darkness, you know, underneath, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's a it's a huge testament. We have to give a huge testament to Bradley Cooper's performance uh, because of because of what you're saying, and I think that it's it's also really impressive that he was able to to walk that line of being a character who he wanted to follow because some of the decisions he's made were are so morally ambiguous yeah. you just don't really understand why some yeah. decisions are made yeah. but you at every at, there was never a moment where i felt like resistance i always just wanted to go with him yeah, it's just like just totally. take me where you're going just take <laughs> take yeah. me <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah, and I think we just start with talking about the um, the opening, the carnival sequel, like the uh, the yeah. carnival segment of this movie, which I love. I, I carnivals are like just the setting is amazing. Like you, you hear like Guillermo del Toro and like a fucked up carnival, you're like, uh huh. I'm gonna watch that. Like, like there's, like that's amazing. Yeah, and, and going back to expectations, I really had it in my head that it was all it was gonna be about like going into like going insane in this carnival. Uh-huh. I didn't r- yeah. expect it to just be this opening part of the movie, which I think was actually a really cool and awesome decision because totally, you only yeah. needed that opening. But totally. I was not expecting it, it to cool leave the carnival. That, that opening sets up, you know. Um, a lot of the other characters, side characters too, who are very important. Who I love almost every side character in this movie. I thought that they were all like Tony Collette, Rini Wara, Will Defoe. Yeah. The cast of this movie is fucking amazing. Tony um, Collette is such a good actress. She, she 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 had such a small role in this film, but she's so, so memorable. Yeah, it's so memorable. <laughs> 
Richard Jenkins, he's like one of our all time he's one of the, our favorite character actors. And he's you know, he's in Save the Water. He, I think he he's nominated for Academy Award for Save the Water, but he's great in this too. All the side characters I thought were, you know, super compelling. And you know, that carnival, you know, introduces, you know, um, you know, Stan's relationship with Rudy Lara's character and mm-hmm. their seeing their relationship watching this is like so cute and kind of wholesome and um you know and really the 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 why the carnival thing functions so well is to set up like the mentalism, you know, how he starts to um learn about this thing through Tony Collette's um husband, who I can't remember the character's name, but yeah um, the older the older guy. It might have been Sam, but I'm not sure about that. I thought I that th- character was also super interesting because they, yeah. they allude he they allude to in the movie that he's like because he's a drunk, right? He's like an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And they allude to the fact that he was like went down some like dark path in his life. His name's Pete. Pete, yeah. And that he went down this like dark path in his life and he's settled in this carnival, and he's kind of content with, you know, living with his wife and stuff, but he's a, he's an interesting character. The way that he, his demise, I thought was really interesting, too, but um, yeah. kind of yeah, jumping that, all over the place. But, but I mean, his, that's, that's the thing that's, that's so cool about this movie is how it sort of, it, it connects to itself really a linearly yeah. it's it it because it, you go back to this because uh pete's character is a really good like sort of example of being the thing that uh stan hates because of because of his daddy issues right. but also the thing that <laughs> yeah. he becomes which yeah. is really interesting yeah um, yeah totally and uh and it's it's it was the carnival was such a good setting for all of that setup stuff because it's like this it's this place of isolation and it's really weird and it was such a it it made it it was like it was free of I don't know. It was like, it just had this, it had this, it was a perfect vibe to just let all of the things just sort of bubble up and come to the yeah. surface in right. because the environment just, it just spoke to how yeah. it, it, it just felt so right. Well, in that's, all the like, moments. that's like the, that's the production design, man. Like, it's just the, the vibe of the carnival. Like, first of all, there are some incredible sets um, in this movie. And that's yeah. like, the carnival is like the thing that I think people are going to gravitate towards, but Kate Blanchett's office, um, like, yeah. it, it, there's so much incredible design in this movie, but um, one of the scenes that, in that first, um, like, we were talking about with the setup with the carnival and stuff, like, mm-hmm. one of the scenes that's super important is setting up the, um, oh, the fucking, the geek, the geek. Yeah. And, um, the geek being, I mean, one of the saddest um, things, and, and unfortunately, uh, a thing that's based in you know reality, um, where the geek is basically just this, uh, I mean, this man who is just completely uh, tortured. He's basically tortured and and um, used as like a. Um, 
uh, a show, you know? Um, yeah. And uh, it's incredibly sad. I mean, it reminded me, it reminds me a lot of the Elephant Man um, and, and kind of the similar um, thing to that. But um, what's interesting about the peak is that, you know, obviously the way the movie ends, but seeing Stan's, um, like, empathy towards the peak. You know, there are some scenes where yeah. um, we see him... Because Will Defoe, who this this made me laugh, but Will Defoe is unbelievable. So I wish he was in it more because Will Defoe. But what made me laugh is I was like, I what a, I like to think that this is the character in the lighthouse, like another <laughs> like this is what he was doing before. Because there's a yeah. couple scenes where I was like, is this the same character? Like he's yeah. like doing very similar things. Do you remember? Um, I'm thinking of the scene when he introduces Stan to Enoch, and he just has like that. He just bursts into a yeah, weird like, speech. Yeah, it's just yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and it's like what? what? Is this the same guy? Yeah. Um, so I thought that was funny, but you know. His ruthless nature towards the geek is just heartbreaking. And one of my favorite scenes is when Stan, uh, he tells Stan to go into the fun house and um, find him because the geek ran away. And just that set of the fun house and the, just the vibe, man, it's just dripping with fucking dread and atmosphere. It's just like you don't see shit like this. Like, we're, I'm going to keep underlining that. This is this is cinema. This is fucking like what yeah. I need in, in like movies. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there, uh, there's this fucking real life set that is like just I don't know. It just really, really comes off. You know, I I think that that especially that scene is such a good example to describe how what that feeling because this this it. it this film had such a refreshing cinematic feeling to it mm-hmm. because all, all these blo- all these Marvel blockbusters are I, I I wouldn't argue with calling them cinematic, but yeah, Nightmare yeah. Alley is just more of like that classic, like true cinematic. I don't want to like, sound pretentious okay. saying that, no, but no, no, it, no. It, it feels I different. That's, pretentious. that's totally not pretentious, and because think about this: if this was digital. There's this amazing, like, the first shot of that, there's this amazing, they use it in the trailer, it's one of the best shots in the movie, but it's this amazing crane shot that is coming down from the carnival, and we get this, like, amazing sense of wonderment when Stan walks up and kind of looks up at the scale of the, of the funhouse. And yeah. it just, it looks, it's not a digital effect at all, it's because it's real, it's actually there, and it's well, and there, you can actually feel that. I know that some people might not think that, but you can. You really can feel when something is real and tangible. And part of that is just the shot. Like, you wouldn't, I don't know if you really get a shot like that if that whole thing was like green screen, you know? Like, yeah. But because it's there, you're able to get these incredible, more cinematic shots. Yeah, know? yeah. I mean, I think that's also because, again, referring to Pacific Rim, I thought that was such a great example of like if you just have a director who knows how to use a camera and get shots that are amazing, then he gets that because Pacific Rim feels really cinematic and it's like it's a CGI CGI, fest for sure. But I mean, that movie too, like if you look at the behind the scenes of Pacific Rim too, that movie, the visual effects of that, they went 
they went in on, on yeah. that movie. I mean, they, Guillermo kind of knew exactly what he wanted. I mean, knew how he wanted yeah. it to feel, you know? Yeah, and, and I think they that's designed the, that, it like that. And I think that's the big thing because, mm-hmm. and I think he probably worked because this movie, because this movie is just a film noir, I bet he worked really hard to make everything feel really practical totally. and gritty. And because I it just. The Sink of Water, you know, is, is also like this super practical. Even the, the River Lobster is, is uh, all practical. It's, an all, it's a no digital, uh, except for the eyes, obviously, but the, mm-hmm. everything else is. A suit, you know? Yeah. A, a practical suit. And I feel... I, what I like about the way that this film feels, uh, with an emphasis on feeling, is that... And what I like about Guillermo's directing in all of his movies is that he is a very visual director, but I think there's an over-obsession in a lot of movies to just create things that look realistic or look like how reality yeah. looks. Oh, and totally, dude. And, and Guillermo really focuses on getting it to feel the way he wants to, to Absolutely. evoke the this world. Is, this is cinema. Yeah, yes, that's, there, and that's there cinema. Are, there are lights. <laughs> yeah. there are, there's, yes, if you're going for realism, there's some lighting in this movie that would never happen and never would look the way that it does. You know, I was thinking yeah. the take legs at a lot of those office scenes with the amazing window lighting and this incredible, like, right. the snow falling. <laughs> but if you're watching that and you go, like, that's not realistic, you suck. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, this is what this is. This, this is cinema. This is what... This, that just shows a lack of... You have never seen a movie that was made before the year 2000. You know? Yeah. Like, like, so... I don't know if people are saying that. I doubt people are saying that. But, yeah. Uh, like, but you're so right. I mean, that's such a good point. Is that he... Is, he's... He's creating these on set. He's creating the sense of yeah. dread. Not just with the with the the colors of the costumes that people wear, the colors of this movie, the color palette. It reminds me a lot of like Wes Anderson where he takes so much detail in everything. Like not just you know, Stan is wearing the certain things that he's wearing. Like Rudy Mara, she's always wearing red, you know, and and uh, there's some symbolism there. And uh, Kate Blanchett's character, you know, with the red lips, and you know, like these, it's it's it. Yes, all movies do this, but this movie, like, it clicks so well that you notice a lot of these choices that are being made, and like the production design and lighting, which is like. Good shit. Good shit. Yeah. 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 And I think the other reason why, um, well, why I found it so inspiring and why I think it works so well, um, is also his decision to just really focus on nothing else except like the camera work and working with the actors, which Mm -hmm. is a very, it's weird, but it's it's really it, that's how cinema yeah. was, you know, right. working with your limitations. And now it seems, it, and now with all this technology, which is really awesome, and mm-hmm. has released some amazing feats of filmmaking. Right. It's 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 something that 
you're not put into a position as much, especially if you're a big time director like Guillermo. Yeah. So it's really yeah. cool to see that like really limited and restricted filmmaking, but yeah. not in a way that it, it suppresses it still, the creativity it still of it. Feel, yeah, it still feels extravagant, which is like yeah, something that it I does. love about it. Like, for example, like this is something that like not a lot of filmmakers would even do. Like I know that Spielberg I like kind of goes this way, like in intimate scenes where, like, Guillermo will use a crane, which is, no one fucking does that. Like, <laughs> in a scene, like, in a lot of those, some of my favorite scenes in the movie are the Kate Lanchette and Bradley Cooper scenes in that office. And, you know, if you really break down what's happening is that they're just two people talking to each other. And, right. and, and like, if I were shooting it, I would just, you know, lock it down, you know, do your standard, you know, shot. 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 Yeah, right. This motherfucker puts a crane in this <laughs> intimate scene and you get these amazing push-ins and these amazing kind of like, it just feels so extravagant, you know? He's using the money to like his, like, okay, let's see, we have the money, let's fucking put a crane in this fucking thing, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, he's, he's just, it just feels so good, but... Let's talk about the story. You know, we could go yeah, on let's get back. We can go on and on about how good this movie looks and the sounds and, and everything. But yeah, so um, do we want to we want to move past the carnival part that um, yeah, stands? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think what's also important too is that, like, yeah, I thought like Rewire was amazing. That and that character, her character is interesting. Where you know, I love that fucking scene when she's trying to figure out. You know that her 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 act is like the electricity oh, yeah. girl, and it's not really going well. Instead, has like this amazing idea to create this like cool effect and stuff like that. Those scenes are so sweet. Them like creating the the that contraption and it like going you know working well in front of yeah. the audience. It was great. Um, you know, and that actually that actually brings up another point of why the storytelling is so good because that scene is really cool because it introduces it. Well, the the great thing about the storytelling here is that every moment does progresses the story, but then it does like thirty other things to help like contribute to the overall texture and construction of this world. Because right. that scene that you were talking about, it introduces um, uh, Rooney Mara's character. And like the whole thing. And then it also introduces it's kind of when Stan sort of opens up and starts talking more in the mm -hmm. film. Yes, and right. but then it also introduces him kind of being psychotic and sociopathic yeah. Yeah, too. Manipulative. And uh, you're so right, totally. And I think what's also important to note too is that um Tony Collette's character being a uh one of the coolest things is like this um you know going back and, like, thinking about the ending and the, the almost, um, the, the destiny part of this movie, like, the, the, the um, the inevitable thing, where, yeah. you know, Tony Collette is this, like, empath, I guess what you call her, I guess, like, she's a psychic, uh, she reads tarot cards, and she reads, um, and then there's a cool setup of that where, um, and even through, like, Peter demonstrating mentalism to Stan. We learn about his dad and learn about things like that. And, um, you know, we also, I don't know that first part. We, no, that's literally when he gets the tarot reading, right? 
Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, where he basically. Yeah, I think that's so cool too. Also, I think I was going to say that it introduces this. This movie isn't surreal or or um fantastical in a way. But what's cool about this movie is that there is this kind of layer of like the supernatural or or yeah or the uh. You know, I don't know what you call it, but um, well, the, this is what, cool. you talking about. This has made me kind of think about this, right? Like this is right on the like coming to my head right now about like what yeah. how this movie is functioning, um, because one of the things that I think is really cool about it is how it's the blending, how everyone is very materialistic and not spiritual or mystical in it even like uh-huh. even tony collette's character she's like it's just an act right she's just an act she does say like the tarot cards don't lie at some point right. but at the end of the she day does. they're all kind of like they're all kind of like this is just an act but then there's that right. cool and scene with because they're putting on like you can see the bullshit of like her show you know the tony right, right. show where um you know he helps with that and so yeah like, yeah it's cool. But it's really but cool. but but then there's also that factor where we have like that scene with Pete where Pete was showing what would become Stan's act when he kind of takes over when he becomes a mentalist. Yeah. It was showing that it was so like close to reality his act that it was almost like he was predicting the future and he could control people like that yeah, so dude. it was this yeah, cool blending totally. of like when you have such a mastery of psychology and manipulation it is kind of like you have superpowers yeah and that's kind of the disturbing part of the movie right right um, yes yes because you know mentalism is real uh, this is a real thing that people do and there are mentalists who still, you know, do shows and, and uh, operate in the world today. And um, just the idea, because it is a superpower. You know, you're so right. There is a, and I saw an interview with Bradley Cooper, actually, about this movie, and it was really interesting, because he talked about playing the character in the darkness and how, how kind of, he says that he kind of fucked me up a little bit playing this character, wow. because... You're getting in the mindset of someone who is manipulating people on such a deep level that it's like, even learning how to do that, like, you know, he was doing research about, you know, talking to people who do this, like mentalists and stuff, and he was just getting a little freaked out about it because it's, yeah. it's a very, it's, because he easily could, could see, not maybe not him, but see someone who could do this become, you know, Stan, you know, become this yeah. character that the movie's about, you know, so I think it just really hit, like, hit, like, a deep root of, like, oh, shit, this is, like, this movie isn't, you know, it's, we're actually kind of saying something, too, with this, <laughs> you know, or, yeah, uh, about this, but. Um, and it also, it also is really cool how, even though you might not, again, it's not like you're literally, understanding it but it intuitively connects at the point like after pete does his demonstration of that and tony collette and both of them say it's like don't let it turn into a spook show you know you totally understand how 
it would destroy a person oh, yeah. if you let it become a spook show. And it's right. not really something that you're just like, I understand why that is because of X, Y, and Z. It's right. like, but you feel it's like, yeah, that is what would happen. That yeah. is what would happen to a person in that situation. Totally. And, uh, so, yeah, so after that carnival sequence, we get, um, we, so Stan and, uh, Ron Perlman, he's fucking, I forgot he's in, Ron Perlman's in this. He's such a, another great, him and him and the little person are so good. Yeah, yeah, Ron Perlman's so great, and he's very protective of Rudy Mara, and, um, because he's basically a father figure to her, um, and Stan, you know, when he starts, which is, this is why this movie works so well, and, like, another thing that, like, is really great about Stan is that when Ron Perlman is antagonizing Stan, like, stay away from him. I kind of felt uh, anger towards Ron Perlman's character because I um, was sympathetic to Stan. But yeah. ultimately, Ron was correct. Yeah. Ultimately, <laughs> um, Ron Perlman's character knew that this guy was bad news and knew that this guy was, uh, you know, ultimately a slime ball, you know, yeah, and manipulator. A, yeah, manipulator and a geek, destined to, to be a geek. Yeah. Um and so um that's super cool. But yeah, so they flee and it goes two years later. And we I don't know what city they're in. Um, but uh, Buffalo. I looked it Buffalo, I looked it up. Okay. Buffalo. Interesting. Buffalo New York. I didn't know I didn't know that when I was watching the movie. It was just yeah. it was written in the Wikipedia. Cool. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, so we see that, uh, Stan is, uh, a mental, he's, a, he's putting on these shows, um, he's putting on a lot of shows, you know, two a night, um, very successful, very, very successful, successful. Very, and, like, those scenes, like, seeing him do the show are, like, crazy, like, they're, they're very, Eerie. There's an eerie vibe to it, um, which yeah. I really, really, really dug. Um, and it's this eerie vibe of like people are enjoying it, but there's also people that are like, "Whoa! Like, what is this?" It's almost like what, it's like going into like, I can't imagine being in a show like that. It's definitely like a odd, because there are things that like, and they show in the in the scenes where. There are some fun things where he guesses what's in your purse, or he guesses, you know, what what your life is about. But on one hand, he starts, you know, calling out, like saying things like, you know, about their wives and, and shit like that. And, yeah, and, you know, and that's what it gets like. Oh, like oh yeah, and I mean, the thing that's so great about that is the subtext of the scene because it is on the surface it's an entertainment sequence he's entertaining these people but really what it's about or like this the creepy underbelly at least to me is it's like about this it's this power flex right it's about like controlling these people yeah ultimately what's cool is that just that what i was a little worried about and something that i do have maybe like a little bit of a criticism of is like Mm -hmm. That transition in the, the two years later is definitely it, it slows down a little bit, and it definitely like because mm-hmm. um, it does it, it's almost, it's switching you know it's turning into almost a different movie at that point where it's it's very like uh, different tone you know and uh, yes 
And uh, I think it just takes a little bit of time to, like, get the groove going. But when he first, like, meets with Kate Lanchette, I think that's when it kind of, uh, like, opens up to me again. Um, but, um, but, like, just in that first scene, like, seeing how Stan has even changed, you know? He, like, Stan, like, he uh, talks to Rudy Wara differently. He's, you know, you can tell that this thing is going to his head. Yeah, it's he, getting to him. Where he feels like he's a god. You know, he feels powerful. Um, yeah. And uh, that ultimately, you know, leads to his downfall, you know? Um, yeah, which is also cool because this whole movie is about, like, scattering hints to how Stan is spelling his doom it's yes. it's about him like spelling his own destruction yes. you know with like the setup of the geek at the beginning right. which like don't turn it into the spook show right. and then the scene with dr ritter which is a really intense scene because yeah. dr ritter oh, knows yeah. because they're playing it as being real psychic stuff it's not just yeah. like an impressive show where you kind of yeah. know what's going right. on it's like these people really believe he can read their minds and dr that. ritter dr ritter was who's kate blanchett's character right. uh, was a skeptic and kind of guessed what their process was which she was actually right but then what was creepy and she 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 got in the way of them doing the act in their typical way what was creepy is how stan's character was able to still guess what was in her person stuff and had that really extreme and over the top like power display which again causes problems later in the movie when we when Kate Planjet turns and, into the femme that's to also the scene that really scares Rudy Wara, you know, too. Yeah. She's like, who are you? You know, like, yeah. that was fucking weird. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, you know, Kate Planjet, you know, she, she's one of the best actresses, you know, working today. And I love her performance <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. She just felt straight out of the noir. Like, it's like, you yeah, really plucked her did. straight out of, like, a 1940s film and put her in this. And she, the, her look, her, just the, she's so great. I love her performance in this. Yeah. Um, and that character is fascinating, you know? Um, just, she's a psychologist, right? She's like a... Um, yeah. Yeah, she's a psychologist. psychologist. Yeah. And uh, the way that, you know, she, um, like, him and her instead, like, you know, devise this kind of plot to to get money out of people because, you know, of his uh, psychic powers, you know, like convincing some of her patients that he could speak to the dead and that he could connect them with their loved ones. And that is when the movie gets super dark, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. Because on the surface, somebody can look at that and be, I don't know, like, I found it to be incredibly dark, but I can see someone, like, maybe thinking that's a little corny. But you have to remember, like, this is set in the 40s, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm I led to believe, like, people believe in supernatural, like, shit today. But I would assume that in the 40s, it was... I think people were even more led to believe... Um, some some of these things that he's telling them, you know, um, right. that, I, that I'm the empath, like I can speak to, to God, I can speak to your loved ones, you know, to actually have a connection. But him being a manipulator, just in terms of like a charismatic manipulator and being able to uh, be friends with somebody and 
like, that combination is toxic, and you, like, you see that, you know, um, with Richard Jenkins' character, who, um, is just, I, I loved him in this, but that whole character arc was just, ugh, was so eerie and gross and, and just, oh, I loved it. I loved yeah, it. I mean, the cool, what's so, again, layered what's so layered about that problem is how stan is doing these things which he clearly knows that he's just straight up lying to them and manipulating their emotions for money but then his point is also that at the end of the day like with the couple who had the son who he helped them like he he made like the claim that it like fixed his marriage and he's resolving like real problems he's actually you know, making these people feel better, you know, yeah. um, which is a really like conflicting argument because it's just yes. like, is it better just to give these people net happiness or is it better to give them the truth? Well, I think the film was kind of sick because that, that couple, they, they got south. <laughs> and, and that is something that like really, because I didn't see that. I, that was like something that was plausible to me. Like if if, if you really believe, you know, that your son who tragically passed away, like if you if you believe that you can see him again, you know, truly believe, like someone convinced you, because ghosts, like people, spirits, like people. You know, they, they want to believe. It's a spiritual thing, but most people will not kill themselves to or to to even like like flirt with the idea that seeing if it's true or not, you know? Yeah. But if yeah, he, yeah. but convincing someone, it's not like he told them to kill themselves, but what he did say is that told them for a fact that your kid is you're going to see your kid when you move on. And right. What was so eerie about that suicide scene is that she was so content, you know, she was so like, um, like, we our marriage is better, you know, like, I think, but and she was just like, all right, let's go see our kid, like, we have nothing else, we're just gonna die here, you know, we're yeah. just gonna get old and die, yeah, so yeah, let's yeah. just die now, and that scene was so eerie, um, and, uh, yeah, that like from that moment on, things just get wild. Uh, yeah, things just get progressively more dark. <laughs> yeah, 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 and um, that's the eeriness of that scene, which continues on into into the rest of the movie, is again a testament to how good of a director Guillermo is, because a lot of directors would just stop on the fact of like a suicide being disturbing enough to like just be creepy for people but it's really the underlying subtext of why those people committed suicide that makes it so eerie and uncomfortable which when we get into like unpacking Urza's Kindle's character or what Richard Jenkins is that the actor's name um why that 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 plot progression and his relationship with right. him and his story yeah it just that is even more disturbing like as right. we go into that and like i also like this is what like all things just come together where and also like one of my favorite scenes of the movies when cody collette and ron perlman you know they're in town and they come visit you know really where mm-hmm. i stand and um it's this very sweet scene and it's a very like uh coming together of old friends and they're drunk, they're drinking and Cody Collette is like 
and you want to read your tarot cards, and the tarot cards are are straight out telling them like you're gonna, you know, you're gonna. You're gonna lead, this is gonna lead to your downfall. Something is going to, um, you're gonna fall off. Um, yeah. And he kind of looks at like, kind of like scared. You know, little girl is like, kind of like, like kind of undercuts it by like, you know, it could be true or not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you know, looking back on the movie, it's super eerie. And that's the kind of cool vibe of this movie that it kind of gives off this that there is something you know, in the ether with these tarot cards and things like that, that, um, are true, you know? Yeah. Uh, Well, that's, and that's another, that's another thing that's really cool about Stan's character, which really, another reason why the ending is that, because the ending could easily have been a blind side, just like, like get you kind of ending, but it wasn't Mm -mm. at all because of that, like a moment like that, because, Stan right. has a part of him that's conscious that he's destroying himself. Like he recognizes he that and he sees that throughout the movie. And the ending so, is like, I don't want to get to the, the scene yet, but like, yeah, yeah. that scene, you know, it's like, it's heartbreaking. It's total, it's heartbreaking, but it's also like cathartic in a way. Um, yeah, yeah. Which, is, which I think is brilliant, obviously. Yeah. But I do want to talk about like, more of the Richard Jenkins stuff because yeah, yeah, let's talk about how that, that goes. Because I thought that was fucking cool. Uh, where, um, so Richard Jenkins like like I gotta see my wife again. Says like, okay, we will, but we gotta we gotta train first, you know. So yeah, he, he's kind of like really really milking it, and he's getting to the point where he's like, we got it has to happen now, you know. Right, which and, which is really scary because uh, Richard Jenkins' character uh didn't just lose his wife he i think beat his wife into a forced abortion and then covered it up so she was just like a it is a rapist yeah like a rapist murderer who like kills young women so he's like with a lot of money he's a really scary intimidating dude so stan is feeling the fucking pressure (laughs) yeah he's feeling the pressure and he doesn't know that he's rapist uh before before the end but um, he definitely knows that there's something kind of off about the guy. Um, but, and then, so, this is, like, another, like, one of the more heartbreaking things about the film is, like, how Rudy Lara, who's such an innocent and sweet uh, character, gets roped up into um, Stan's... Insanity? You know, insanity, yeah. and, you know... She, you know, tries to run away from him, standing and manipulative, and and uh, just charismatic guy convinces her to uh, help help him dress up as his wife and stage this like ghost sighting, which was so that that scene. This is like again back to the visual thing, like the snow. The just the lighting yeah. was just so awesome, and I know that. You know, like snowflakes aren't that big, okay? But it's just, they look <laughs> so good. It just is the even the scene, like every fucking scene of the scene is beautiful. And like, there's the effort that he will. There's that scene where they initially go to the grave, and Richard Jenkins and Bradley Cooper are just walking through the snowy grave, and they just sit on a bench. It's Beautiful, like, then, yeah, like with the snow and just that whole like 
just conversation is like aesthetically gorgeous. Like, yeah, you know, they, like easily a filmmaker was like, you know, in a scene like that, wouldn't take the time to like have the snowblower come and like, you know, get the right amount of snow that's falling, you know, like it's just like, right, the effort yeah, it's just, it's just undeniable, you know, yeah, it's so again that that's. That scene is a really good example of why this movie is so cinematic throughout, you know, because mm-hmm. it's that it's that attention to not just he just does. It, it's not just like conversations or are just exposition scenes like we have that in Marvel scenes. Yeah. We have like the expositions where exactly. people are talking. This so works, we kind of you know, we get on track. Fine. Yeah, it works. It always yeah. works. And right. then and then but then it's always like a placeholder to get to the next exciting thing to happen. Exactly. So it, it right. makes sense. Right. But Guillermo is like, nah, this is a piece of yeah. my world. It's a piece of the puzzle. Exactly. And this needs right. the same amount of attention as right. that cool scene yeah. where Bradley Cooper is performing as a mentalist exactly. or the geek scene. Right. It needs the same amount of attention. Right. And yeah, so that whole, you know, end scene is like, it just, it just, it just falls apart, you know? And, yeah. Uh, it's just, it just, just, it just, it's progressively worse for Stan who, like, she, who basically convinces, like, tells him that he's basically a rapist and uh and Stan's like what and she he runs up here realizes that it's not her uh just shit gets crazy does Stan get like stabbed like what what happens like oh so, no he, no 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 Stan brutally fucking kills yeah. kills him yeah, yeah, that's right. He, he, fucking, he beats him so hard in the face, he pushes his, his nose into his mouth, right, into which, his face. Which also set up in the carnival scene where he takes down the geek like that. So you kind of like have this weird sense that he is kind of powerful, you know, and has yeah. some strength to him. And yeah. that, because when he's doing that, and Rudy Warren is just, stop, like, you're going to fucking kill him. And he just... You know, that's the kind of, like, the marketing behind this, where the animal, the animalistic or the beast, you know, the tagline of the movie is man or beast. And, like, um, that, I understand marketing towards that, you know, where it's, like, about a man, you know, revealing his true self as a a beast, you know? Yeah. Um, But, uh, yeah, that was heartbreaking. And what was, when I... It's so disturbing about it. Well, after he did that, he just gets up and acts like almost nothing happened. Like acts like that he um w- had to do that. Yeah. You know? So matter then, of fact. And then run over, uh, running over the the other guy with the car. Yeah, the guard. Yeah, know, yeah. Without hesitation, and you're like, yeah, dude. dude, this guy <laughs> is fucked. You know. Yeah, um, dude. And that's, at that point, you also know that he killed his father, I believe, right? Yeah. You know that kid, Stan killed his father. Um, and that he had this, like, bad relationship with his dad that ultimately killing him. So, um, like, so that just really just underlines that, that this guy is dark and this dude has, not a good guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It's so, it's, it's one of the scenes that's in cinema that just has that compelling, a really creepy feeling to it. And there's so much behind it that it's hard to like distinguish and articulate all the pieces that goes in to the emotions because we've seen like scenes where people suddenly turn violent or something and they like die murderly. But 
the way that that film worked for me, yeah. you know, where like after seeing how he demolished that man's face just yeah. hit me in such an intense yeah. and particular oh, way. Yeah. It was it's indescribable it's like how really, that kind of felt. Really well set up. And also like Stan like just progressively getting more and more aggressive, you know, absolutely goes along with yeah. And like so it we feel that it's bottling up. We feel that there's he's going to unleash at some point. And when he does, it's you know. Yeah. And and I liked I liked I liked that the way that you described it too, because it was he it's such a great performance of a sociopath right like yeah. is oh, because yeah. because of that of that break <laughs> yeah. when he murdered it wasn't like it wasn't like him losing control and panicking it was just it's like it was his matter of fact way of just dealing with the situation right. where he kept control exactly. and that's it's so creepy that's just yeah. so creepy and what's really creepy too is that he like tries to say really are you know like gets yeah out of there. and it's just like there's a weird bittersweet sadness to it because he clearly really loves her, but the thing is that he is so um, self-destructive that it's just like this, you know, never have a relationship. Yeah, you're you know? in too deep, man. You're yeah. way in way too deep. And then he flees. He, he like goes to Kate Lanchette's office, and that's when like I would call this a twist. This is a twist. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kate Lanchette was revealed that she was kind of manipulating him um, to, like, what was exactly what was going on? She was recording him, right? Yeah, so what So what happened is that um, she agreed to, Kate Planchette had been feeding Stan information about these big wig targets so right. that he could uh, yeah. manipulate them to give money right. and to be give a convincing performance. And in exchange, Kate Blanchett was having Stan do therapy sessions with him where she would, he would reveal truth about his past. Right. Exactly. And, right. and at the ending there, uh, she turned it on its head where she, first of all, stole all his money yeah. and then used all the tapes to make it seem like he was turning psychotic, which right. wasn't really that hard to do at no. that point. No. And, no. and then, yeah, yeah. And then she, and then she also was very careful to make sure that she never made it clear that she was yes. actually ever working with him. Right. So everything right. was on his shoulders and it looked like he was manipulating her at the end fight. there. <laughs> he, he killed her, um, and uh, he gets stabbed. There's that great. Uh, yeah. That, well, he doesn't. Like, he doesn't. He doesn't kill her. He tries to kill her, but she doesn't die. Oh, she doesn't die. No, she. He just. He just chokes her Strength, with the telephone strength, cord. Oh, yeah, and then lets yeah, her and go, then, right? Yeah, and then, then, then security yeah. comes up and she he survives. He got shot, right? So he's, yeah, he, he gets shot in the ear, and then oh yeah, his ear um, comes, that was awesome. Yeah, that his ear explodes, and I think he got he gets hit somewhere else. Um, but yeah. I'm not quite sure. Maybe like the stomach or something. Yeah. But he definitely loses an ear. <laughs> and like that chase was fucking ridiculous. So he like flees from the cat, and like just the shots of him just like bloodied and like running through the streets and, and getting yeah. like blood on the walls. It's like all these cool cinematic elements that you see in movies, but like the way that it's presented, like we keep it just feels so much more like Yeah. You know, like 
impactful. You know? And the other thing I really like about that chase scene, I think is so cool about it, is that a lot of times when there's chase scenes in Hollywood movies especially, the main character gets away because they're the hero and mm-hmm. they're being chased and obviously the hero gets away. But he gets away because of his sociopathic cunningness right like he first he breaks that key you know he like leads them away he is smart enough to hide behind the kitchen the chicken coop and like cover his breathing he does all this shit which proves how he could do this impossible thing of getting away from all of the cops in buffalo Um, because you look like how he gets away so tells so much about his character yeah and also and also shows how when he's in a dire because earlier in the movie like when he you could almost it almost makes you think that when he was in the carnival and not really talking that he was acting there he was like acting like he didn't really know but what he was actually doing especially which all becomes clear is that he was gathering information of how to get this control Uh and then at the end there it was like he wasn't pretending to be incompetent or not know things anymore he was like busting out all of his tricks because from the very beginning of this movie he was a sociopath who had already killed right exactly (laughs) Um, and so, and then he gets on a train. Yeah. And this is, like, you know, this is, I feel like, maybe the most bold thing about the movie is the way the movie ends that we kind I of agree. alluded to. This is definitely something that, um, is the type of ending that you're not, like, we initially ends, you may be like, what? You know, like, you may be like, what did I just see? Um, but if you get, if you listen to this and you don't feel that way, I implore you to sit back and just think about the movie. Yeah. Just think about the past events. Think about what this is all leading to. Yeah. And the ending will make a lot more sense to you. And I think it will really, really work. I think the ending to this movie. Yeah, I haven't seen all the movies in twenty twenty one, but like this is probably it's one of my favorite endings I've seen like this year. I would agree. Um, because it's it just it's first of all it's unexpected, really, how the how the movie how this movie really ends. But it's so fitting. It's like one of those like endings that's like unexpected but like works so fucking well in my opinion. Yeah. And the only thing that I think doesn't really work is how long is he on the train for? Uh, yeah. <laughs> he gets off the train and he has like a beard and he has like, he's a, it looks like, like months went by. And I'm like, what was going on in the, the months? <laughs> like, are you just hanging out on the, were you a hobo for like months? What are you eating? Yeah, there's a couple. Small thing, but like, but the, I, that was another point uh, about about. Well, that's 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 a small criticism I had. Which once we talk about the ending, maybe we can we can yeah. address that too. But, anyways, back to back to the ending scene where yeah. so he's like he's a hobo on the train right. and he's miserable, pathetic, and super fucking sad. Super fucking sad, and uh, he. Uh, goes to a carnival, you know, he stumbles upon a a, a carnival. Is it the same carnival? I fe- I had the impression it was the same carnival. It might be. I don't know. But in the in the future, but yeah. like time has passed. Yeah, 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 yeah. It might be. It looks like the same one. 
Yeah. Um, but so he suffers upon it and he goes to the uh, the ringleader, I guess, and Harry's, um, and it's just, just seeing where he is, he looks terrible, you know, he has, like, you know, long hair, long beard, dirty, and he basically gives up an aspirant job, you know, tells him, like, hey, I, you know, I have, I, I, I'm a mentalist, I've been, you know, I was doing this for years, and he's so dismissive, you know, and ultimately, he offers him the geek, right? He says, yeah. like, and this is, like, Bradley Cooper, he's amazing in this whole movie, but that last scene was, he was so fucking good in that scene. And it's all, and I think in the same interview I was talking about, is he talked about that last scene and, and how difficult that last scene was to pull yeah. off. He's saying that him and Guillermo like talk about it for like he actually told this funny story where they had that set like uh because like they had that set like ready at like all times because they were they both were so nervous about it. Yeah during that scene that they would like like be like go and cry and then be like okay I, 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 like I'm too nervous let's just see something else like we can't let's see that right now yeah yeah there is wow like, and I get it because that last scene is well, that last shot is so important like if that doesn't yeah. translate and that doesn't the whole thing falls out, apart it just like it just doesn't it just just poops out just like just you know and but Bradley Cooper fucking nailed that. Like, he yeah. nailed it. And it's this, what I'm saying is that there's this, he's burst out in tears. This, this almost like tears of joy and tears of like, almost like relief. Like, there, there's this, such this pouring of emotion that comes out. And not crying, like, it's this, just, mixed emotions really just mixed emotions and he just says you know i was destined you know to be, to be i was be, born I was for born, it i was born, I was for, born it. for it and credits and <sighs> like it's so amazing it's like it's it's this like heartbreaking ending but it's this extremely like cathartic ending for the character it's like he's been holding this thing in for so long and him finally at the end realizing who he is realizing who he is as a person and that's just so cathartic because this whole movie he's been putting on a front we we learned that he's like you're saying in that first scene he's acting you know he's putting on this front but he's he's a sociopath but him at the end just realizing that where he belongs, you know, he belongs in a cage and belongs in a, uh, you know, being tortured, but he he is accepting of that. And there's something just so eerily beautiful about it, which is, like, kind of what this whole movie... That scene is just so indicative of the whole movie as well, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's so... It's an so impossible deep. it's an impossible thing to put into words because they they executed something phenomenal with that last shot where it was just 
the camera shot was just right. Yeah. The way that Bradley Cooper laughed, the way oh, he cried, exactly. the time before he said the line, the yes. way he yeah. presented the line, the time we yeah. lingered after all of that oh, yeah, just it just worked yeah. perfectly. Right. And it just it I feel like it almost it takes away from it to try to describe like what's working there because it's just it yeah. just is. It yeah. just works like right. that. It just works. And um so I agree, I agree. I think yeah. I think the things that you were saying was all right about like why it connected. And I think it yeah. was just like it was just it was it was just that moment where it just connected where he knew what was going to happen to him. Right. And then it happened. Right. And that and it just all came out like right there. And, and, and it was fantastic. It's right. just so cool. And what's great, like, you know, uh, weird, disturbing, and cool thing about the movie is that, like, um, you, it makes you think about, like, the idea of destiny. It makes you think about yeah. um, the idea of your, your, your actions coming to haunt you. And, um, and I think that ending is just so, you know, indicative of that, too. Like, great endings to movies. Like, I think about the Coen brothers, and also Guillermo has incredible endings. The endings to Douglas Backbone, fucking incredible. Shape of Water has an amazing ending. Uh, Pan's, I mean, Pan's has a fucking incredible ending. Uh, he's so good at ending his movie. I just kind of yeah. realized that all of them have phenomenal endings. Um, and they all end on a super striking image too, which is which is great, you know. Um, and that's you know again, cinema. That's yeah. this cool idea to end your movie on a on a cool shot, you know, like uh, on a cool moment, you know. Um, and that invokes so much feeling. And yeah, like an ending like that, their alley. It recontextualizes the whole movie. Yeah. Like, which yeah, is yeah. like, that is how the fuck you should end the movie, man. That's like, leave the audience with thinking about the film. You know, there's so many movies that come out that are, I'm more specifically talking about like big budget movies that come out that like, they don't let the audience like have, they don't want the audience to like think about it. You know, which is like weird. Like, like this movie like begs the audience to to have the movie linger in their mind after in the car after they see it. You know, yeah, and, yeah. And when they're driving back to their house, you know, like that's good shit, man. Yeah, <laughs> I mean shit. that ending. That ending really felt. I mean, this film really felt like when you're putting together a puzzle, and when you're putting together the a puzzle or something, mm -hmm. you're kind of looking at it kind of close, and you're putting, you're looking at the specific pieces and how they connect. And you're doing one piece at a time, right. but when you get to that last piece, it's like bam, which feels great to put in that last piece because you did it, you finished it. But then the next great moment is when you step back. And look at the whole fucking puzzle. Exactly. And that was right. exactly how the end of Nightmare Alley yeah. felt to me. It was right. like, I see this shit now. Like right. I see the whole picture. Totally. And it's 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 amazing. And it's that's awesome. kind of the shape of water to me too. Um we see that film. Um that to me, I had the same feeling coming out of that movie where the last shot, the last scene, like really 
like needs to sit back and recontextualize the whole film. Yeah. Um, I think that's my I, I favorite thing about that, movie. Man. When when that yeah, like yeah. when that when I get that feeling from it, it's my favorite thing. Yeah. To have oh, that happen. Yeah. It's, it's it's because it's so satisfying. Yeah. When you do that because it's like. You know, you're, you, you sit through this really, I mean, the movie's super entertaining and super interesting throughout, but the movie could easily have ended with Stan, like, getting shot or something, like, like getting caught yeah. or something, and, yeah. like, we pan out to his dead body, you know, like, that could have, that could have been a fine ending, but this is, this is... This, this is the is way. Better, you know? this, <laughs> this, is, this is like, this is it, you know? This is the way that it should end, you know? And um, for some people, like, like I, I'm going to say this again, because I truly believe that a lot of people would see this ending and not get it initially. Um, please, please, just rethink about it, you know? And, and it's a, this kind of ending makes me want to rewatch the movie. Which yeah. is like, it's kind of reminds me of like some Nolan films. I know I'm not familiar with Nolan fan, but like when the Prestige ended for the first time, it like blew my fucking mind and I like went and rewatched the movie as soon as it ended. Like that never happens to me where I literally went, I had time and I was like, rewind and I watched the yeah. whole thing again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you're right. I love that feeling. It's like, you feel like, the journey that you went on was worth it. You know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just makes yeah. the whole thing worth it. And it's, yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's a, it's a really magic moment. It's a really magic moment. And you don't, you gotta be really good to make that work. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> so you gotta be really fucking good. Fucking hard. Yeah. That's why a lot of movies don't even try to do that. Um, yeah. A lot of movies go, the endings like, go in a way where you expect it to, or like kind of the, um, more conventional ending because it's super risky. If you try to end your movie on a a risky note like that, I mean, you could easily have. Yeah. That's why they were so nervous to shoot the the last yeah, shot because they, they knew so that if, they did, if the performance didn't come off, the movie would like not work. Like yeah, because that fucking like you break down that scene of, like, what has to happen to make it work, it's basically magic. Like, yeah. you, you, like you kind of, like, it just yeah. has to keep shooting it, and the, the actor has to give this, like, performance, where, I bet when they did it, Gerlo and Bradley look at each other and said, that's the one, that's it. Yeah. You know? Because there's so many... I want an actor... This is why I think Bradley Cooper is amazing, this. Like, there's so, like, I don't even understand how to even go into a scene like that. Like, what to do, you know? Like, because yeah. there's, so, like, there's so much baggage, you know, that yeah. is on your shoulders doing that scene, you know? And, like, I don't know. I, I'm not an actor, but that, that to me, actors get a lot of smoke blown up their ass, but that shit is, 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 Great, like that with real acting like that, and yes, it is real acting being like it's just it's so you can't explain why it works so well, but it just does, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not a lot of actors that could pull that off, 
first of all. Um, yeah, it's it's like that feeling when you're watching like a, a jazz performance or some kind of music performance and you can just feel that they're in the groove yeah, or like someone's totally. soloing and yeah. it's just like they're just in it and they're just killing it. Totally. And it's just like what it's like you can't necessarily practice your scales to get yeah. that good at that. You just have to have enough experience with music or acting to know how to access that groove and that zone when you yeah. need it. And but man, he was, they were in it at the end. They were yeah, in it. And also, like, not just in that last scene, I mean, Bradley Cooper has, has amazing scenes in this film. Yeah, like, throughout. Yeah. And I keep talking about Riley Cooper because I think he got snubbed the Academy Awards. Like Riley. He's also amazing licorice pizza. He should have got nominated for one of those two movies. Yeah. Um, I'm pissed. Because <laughs> they recognize that they're out. It's nominated for Best Picture. Like, come on, dude. Like, like he's one of the reasons it works so well. Yeah. Um, but, um, but, I mean, like, just that scene where he also, like, goes to Richard Jenkins and they, he's suspecting that he's bullshitting him so he takes a lie detector test and Brad, Bradley Cooper that scene is fucking incredible yeah he's so it's good like, it's again there's so much baggage with that scene in because you have to play it at like there, levels there's like levels to that he has to because the character's doing a performance and so yeah, yeah. there's like this level that you have to like go under and it's a Actually, his performance is like I haven't been this impressed by a performance in like a, in a while. I would um, agree. I would agree. I'll, I mean, I'll, I don't. I don't usually. I, I tend to like I, I tend to like visuals and just like story structure more and like good performances yeah. and stuff. But I'm not I'm not that and I'm not an actor. I'm not really right. interested in acting. I like movies yeah, more yeah. so. Right. But like I agree with you wholeheartedly that I was it was just this performance just yeah. grabs me. And you there's know, movies like this that like because this film is so performance centric. You know, um, yeah, like it's so important to the story. You know that, um, yeah. Every once in a while, there's just like this performance that you're just like, damn. You know, because it's like sometimes like there's only so much Guillermo like directing could do with like a character like this. Yeah, you know? a lot of like great movies like you can, like Mark Wahlberg. I watched The Happening with my buddy the other day. And The <laughs> Happening is so bad. But Bradley Cooper, that uh, Mark Wahlberg has been great in films before. He in that movie, in The Happening, seems like he has never acted before in his fucking <laughs> life. I'm serious. Like, and, uh, uh, <laughs> so you can really fuck up the performance with directing, but you can also, like, really enhance the performance with directing. But yeah. there's a few times where, yeah, like, the, the last scene, for example, like, the direction, it's just one shot. It's just, you know, like, this static shot and all Guillermo was like, okay, well, here's the baggage reminding you what the, like what the character has to be feeling in this moment. So can the actor to fucking portray that? It's just, yeah, that's why it's so it. difficult. Actually it's do this it. Long list of it, you know, it's harder than just like, all right, you're sad, you know? Yeah. You're sad. You're happy. You're like, it's just so many different yeah. things. And oh, now yeah. do that. Put that on yeah. your face. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, what? Um, uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah. This is a fucking 
escape ass movie. Yeah, I think I, I think I like it even more after talking about it, just because yeah, it just, uh, it's just, it's so juicy, you know, it's so, it's juicy. so juicy. This is also really rewatchable too. Yeah, like that ending makes it so rewatchable. Um, and like Jeremy Corey man, he, he, he comes out from another movie in the series doing. His adaptation of Pinocchio, which looks so cool. I, I yeah, saw that, that trailer and that it was like, teaser that they put it's out, beautiful. Yeah. It's amazing. I'm amazing. so excited. <laughs> and Neil McGregor is the cricket. It's just cool. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I can't wait to see that. He's been working on that for years. And uh, his first animated film, which is really cool. Um, he's another guy that just seems like that's like a perfect fit. Uh, especially stop motion where he really gets to like touch control, the, sh- the puppets and stuff. Really control the elements. Yeah. You know, he already controls the elements, but like this is like whole nother, nother level. level, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh yeah, it looks great. Thank God Netflix is uh making that happen. Uh that would not happen if Netflix is on around. Shout out to Netflix for uh <laughs> for also supporting stop motion animation. Yeah. Um they they have a lot of stop motion. Like they just put out a a horror anthology. Yeah, I stop saw motion that. Which there. looks really cool. Very cool, man. Like it, stop motion is amazing, and it's just cool that Netflix recognizes that and is putting it out there. Like art, a lot of art and stuff is put, all the shot of the suit stuff is all fucking great. But they that's on Netflix now. That's Things exciting. Home, you know, it's cool, man. Uh, gives these artists a platform, you know, like Arlen and that are putting in fucking work, man. It's not easy to make these things, man. No, it's so, so terribly intensive. <laughs> so, yeah, get them paid. Yeah, man. Um, so, uh, yeah, go check this out. It's great. Uh, it's excellent. HBO Max, Hulu. Um, yeah, this is totally thick and butter approved. Totally, 100%. There's no doubt in my mind. There's nothing. No oh, doubt. the one thing... I did uh, just to not oh, blue yeah, ball people. Any, you didn't say anything about it. There was the only criticism I have, which actually doesn't bother me at all. And my criticism is just about how it was a little confusing, but I'm actually glad they didn't do the thing to fix this because uh-huh. the only problem was how, like, in the beginning of the movie, they were referring to Bradley Cooper as, like, a boy and a kid. And it's just like, okay, he's 47. He's definitely 47. <laughs> That's true. And then, true. and then at the very end, that time passage where it seemed like it was the same carnival, but like multiple years yeah. has passed so like That's my so, so, i don't really understand the time gap so like the aging of bradley cooper didn't really yeah, was kind of right. confusing but like what do you do yeah, you get like a, it, it does kind of look like they try to look a little younger in those first scenes yeah but you're right it doesn't but like i guess yeah. the the other idea was like what do you do do you just get like a younger actor to play the beginning it's just right. like you know what no it's it's fine i get it yeah. like it it works it works, it, it yeah, works. It's, and it's just like fine. it's it's i think it's a yeah. criticism to like talk about because if you're confused about that it's like yes it's a, it is a little confusing yeah. bradley cooper yeah, is 47 and he's yeah, 47 right. throughout the whole film <laughs> but yeah yeah he looks wow. he looks very good <laughs> all right buddy. Uh, we love you. See you in the next one. I don't know what that will fucking be, but you know. It will be something. The Batman movie. Oh, that would be, so, that'd be that sick. That would be probably the Batman. That'd be so, um, so That's so exciting. Yes, very excited. Um, all right, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.